When I flew the P3 Orion squadron, uh, we had a lot of gear and equipment. I loved the gear. I liked dressing up in that flight suit and putting on all that gear. Guys just love all that gear. We had some gear for our ears as well. So we had two kind of pieces of gear for our ears. One of them were those little foam ear plug things. Have you guys ever used those? Maybe as you go to concerts, the older we get, right, we're like, I can't take that anymore. So you roll them up and you put them in, there, in your ear because... The, the sound of the engines was really, really loud. So we kind of had to block out that noise. And also the sound of all the electronic equipment that was going on was, was really loud as well. And then that had to do with our other job, which was listening. So we had to put on these green clunky headphones, if you could see them there, and kind of had a, had a boom microphone kind of going out like that. And part of that reason was because we needed to communicate with one another especially when we were on mission or on target, which we, we called it, or on top. So when we were tracking a submarine, uh, I had to communicate with the guys who were flying the aircraft and the guys who were doing a variety of other jobs. It was really important that our voices were heard. Uh, so we had my job, which was tracking the submarine, and my voice carried with it a, a little bit of weight. Not, not a lot of weight, but a pretty significant amount of weight because I could see on my gear where the sub was going. So not only am I listening to those voices, but I'm listening to sounds that are coming through hydrophones in, in the water below, and I'm able to hear the sounds of the submarine. Hopefully, that was the goal. There were other guys who were talking on the radio as well. They were the flight engineer, important, because if anything was broken or something was going wrong, he would talk to us as well. And then the pilots, their job, pretty important. And then he had some other sensor operators. However, there was one guy's voice that we always needed to listen to, no matter what. And when he spoke, everyone else needed to stop talking. That was the mission commander. The mission commander, in his voice, you could see him. He's on the left-hand left side there. That would be the mission commander. And then over on your right-hand side, that's the navigator. What the mission commander said was, so to speak. Because the mission commander had a connection with people who had much more powerful voices even than the mission commander. So he would tell us and relay all the information that he was getting from base. And if we had to change our mission or whatever it was, and he would guide us so that our mission was absolutely successful. If we failed to listen to his voice, well, we would be listening to a lot of other voices that weren't saying very nice things to us when we once landed that aircraft. Jesus' voice now takes center stage. Jesus has been talking this whole time, but now his voice takes front and center stage, and he wants us who are sitting here today and those who are hearing him speak to stop talking, put on your spiritual headsets, and listen to this voice. Because if we fail, and if these individuals, those religious authorities, fail to hear what Jesus is saying now, we're going to answer for it later on. His voice is unique. His voice is powerful. Listening to his voice is a matter of life and death. So let's put on our spiritual headsets and listen 
what Jesus has to say to us. See, three aspects of the voice of Jesus and why we need to listen or hear what he is saying. The first aspect is his voice comes with a promise, verse 24. Truly, truly, so again, he's letting us know something. What I'm about to tell you is very, very true and is extremely important. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word or my voice and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed from life, has passed out of death into life. People might be familiar with NPR, National Public Radio show. It's called This American Life. It featured an episode. It was titled, The Devil Inside Me. It asked various people if they ever felt like they were under a spell or were hearing an inner voice and what that voice was saying to them. According to the show's hosts, he said it was like people had been waiting all their lives to ask, be asked this question. Here were some of the responses. I certainly know the voice you're talking about, said one man. Another man said, the voice is absolutely irresistible. I'm caught constantly in the clutches of this voice. A woman once said that it's, a woman said that it's totally out of control. This voice has a life of its own. I can't tame it anymore. See, some of your eyes are getting a little wider right now, wondering about voices. There is another woman who, who, who named this voice. That name is Stan. Now, that's my father's name. I don't think my father is speaking into this woman's head, but she says, Stan is the one who tells me to do things that I don't want to do. Stan is the one that I am always hearing. The man says, I remember somehow realizing how finely calibrated this voice was to every nuance and aspect of my life, my feelings. There was a woman who was just engaged who said, you, who said the voice said to her, you better try your hardest to make sure he doesn't take away that ring because he's going to find out the truth about you and how much you stink. So you better look good for him all the time. At the end of the episode, the host asks one of the individuals, do you feel like the voice is winning? The woman replies, absolutely, I'm in deep trouble. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands to let me know if you hear voices, because that might make you feel where, and then maybe you'll be the only one raising your hand, and then you'll be hearing that voice all the way home. Why did you raise your hand? You fool. <laughs> but I think we can identify with that little voice once in a while, right? And, and many, many times, that voice is a voice of condemnation, isn't it? It's a voice of you're not good enough. It's a voice you haven't tried hard enough. It's a voice that you're a failure. It's a voice that God doesn't like you. It's a voice that God's angry with you. And not only do we have to deal with that voice, who we know where that comes from, flesh or Satan, we have to deal with the voice of the world, don't we? And the voices of this world are making promises, aren't they? If you look this way, if you believe this, if you act in this way, you're going to get X, Y, and Z. But only if you listen to those voices. 
However, those promises aren't realized right away, are they? You have to work at it. You got to do something. You got to get in line. You got to follow those voices. Jesus' voice is radically different. Here, I substituted Jesus' voice for his word because I think the two are synonymous here. Jesus promises something when he speaks to us. It's not a promise of judgment. It's not a promise of condemnation. It is a promise of life. Listen to what Jesus says here. And here we have, again, the doctrine that we see throughout the Gospel of of John. It is the doctrine of justification or salvation by faith alone. You hear his voice. What do you have? You have something. You have eternal life. That's it. That's what he says. You pass out of judgment. You do not enter into judgment. You pass out of death and you have life. However, we need to kind of discuss what he means by this word for here. So I love this little picture of this little kid. That's a kid that you want, right, listening to you. That's kind of the image that you want. So to hear and to believe, I think, are synonymous here. I think they they, they mean the same thing. I don't think that Jesus is saying that there are two steps to inheriting or having or possessing eternal life. I don't think he's saying you need to hear and then believe. I think the two are synonymous. But hearing means allowing Jesus' words to go through your ears and end up where? Right here in your heart. Receiving everything that he says and welcoming that, just like this little guy right here. All ears. Hanging on every word and trusting in the words that Jesus is saying to us. That's what it means to hear. You know, when, I, when I was little, I heard my mom many, many times. I heard my dad too, many, many times. However, I didn't really hear. You know why? Because I always did the opposite of what they just said. And my mom would say, you didn't hear me. Hey, I heard you. I didn't like what I heard. So I went ahead and did the other thing. And that's what hearing means. It means taking in. It means receiving what Jesus has to say. We can hear. We can hear him all day long, but never listen. We can sit every Sunday in in these, these chairs. We can listen to his word or we can hear his word through our ears, but it never reaches our hearts. We know that it reached our heart when we act on that, when we combine that, when when that hearing is joined with belief, when it's one action, when we welcome those words and we receive them. It carries with it the implication of belief. It carries with it a welcoming of what he's saying. Because, folks, I'll tell you what, Jesus' voice is trying to get silenced every day the minute we walk out those doors. And sometimes it's even being silenced in the church today. What does Paul say to Timothy later on? What do people want to hear? They want to hear things that are going to do what? Woohoo, make you feel good, tickle your ears. And, and they will gather up teachers. And that's what's happening in the church in America right now. We're looking for teachers not to speak the voice of Jesus, not to tell us what Jesus says, but we're gathering up a bunch of teachers to just make us feel good about ourselves. 
And do you know how dangerous that is? It's going to lead to death. And the world tries to shut down the voice of Christ. They don't want to hear what he has to say because what he says isn't very popular. We're going to We're going to get into what he says and why they don't want to hear it. But to hear Jesus is the same thing as believing in him. To hear his words, to hear his truth, what he has to say about life, what he has to say about me and you, which we don't always want to hear, what he has to say about salvation, what he has to say about everything. It's saying the same thing that Peter said to him, Lord, where else are we going to go? You're the one who has the words of eternal life. And that's the truth. My job up here isn't my voice. And if it ever becomes my voice, I need to lose this job. My job is his voice. And sometimes what he has to say isn't very popular. And hopefully it can be said, and I can say it in a way that's gentle and loving and caring, but it still needs to be said because it's the truth. It's what Jesus wants us to say. Listen to what he says, though. Listen to what he says. When you hear, when you believe, you receive. You have something. It becomes your possession. You you own it. Another doctrine here extremely important. It's the doctrine of eternal security. Once you believe in Jesus Christ, once you believe what he has said, once you believe in his sacrifice, you are saved for all eternity. No one, nothing, nobody can ever, ever take that away from you, and you can't sin it away either. It's yours. That's something to hear, isn't it? He's talking to these guys, and these guys, these religious authorities, they think they have what? Eternal life. They think that they're hearing God correctly, and he's like, you got it all wrong. I'm the only one who can give you that. Your works aren't getting you anywhere. Coming to church is an eternal life. Tithing is an eternal life. Obedience to the law actually is only going to tell you you're dead, (laughs) This is what he says. It's yours. You, you own it. I got something in my pocket for you. It's 10 bucks. $10. Who believes I'll give this to them? All right, Debbie. First one, raise your hand right here. My wife's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Where'd you get the $10? There you go, that's yours. All right, congratulations. Wow, no one else raised their hand. She's got the, no, too late, Raul. It's too late. I don't got any more money. It's too late. You missed your opportunity. I just, is that your money right now? Is that in your possession? Yeah, I'm not going to ask for that back. That is yours, so go ahead. You just do whatever you want with it. Spend it. Brian's going to be looking at you and be like, give me that $10 later on. You know when that $10. That's what happens. It becomes our possession. So many people teach about the, you can lose your salvation. I'm thinking, I never earned my salvation to begin with. Jesus Christ is the one who earned it. And because Jesus Christ is the one who earned it, I can't lose it because I never deserved it in the first place. It's a gift. It's a gift. 
you, you now don't enter into a room. You know what that room's called? It's called the room of judgment. You will never ever step foot in the room of eternal judgment. That's what he's saying. You've passed out of something. You've passed out of death into life. You ever been to a haunted house? People have been to a haunted house. I used to, I think, I don't know if I made this up for this illustration, but we're going to go with it. I think I was in a haunted house. I know I definitely was outside of a haunted house at one time. And what happened, the haunted house was at a fire station. And they had these two torches outside. Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. And one fell, and there was a fire at the fire station. So much for fire safety. I, I, don't, I started worrying about that haunted house. But can you, you know, haunted house, haunted hayride, whatever it was. If you're a normal person, when you're in that haunted house, what do you want to do? You want to get out of that haunted house. Don't you? You're like, it's ain't for me. I hate evil stuff. I get really scared very, very easily. Now you know something. Yeah, yeah. It's very scary. I hate evil. Hate all about it. So when I was going through either the hayride or the house, whatever it was, all I wanted to do was get out and, and, and leave that house behind me. And then when you're out of that house, you're like, I ain't never going back in there again. Folks, that's exactly what happens to us. You and I live in that house of death the entire time. And that's all it is, is death. Every day of our lives apart from Jesus Christ. But when you and I hear him, when you and I believe in him, we walk out of that house, never, ever, ever again to go back into it. We live because his voice brings us spiritual life, brings us to our second aspect, why we need to listen to his voice. It can raise the spiritually dead, verses 25 through 26. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. Those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. Everyone's familiar with the uh, Social Security Administration. Well, of 2.8 million deaths that are reported to the Social Security Administration last year, I don't think it was last year, whenever this illustration was written, approximately 14,000 people's names were incorrectly entered in their online database as dead, deceased. That many people, that's one out of 200 entries are wrong, and they're dead, even though they're very much alive. 38 life-altering mistakes every day. You trust your government? <laughs> Sorry, it's a bad, yeah, not good. One day, Laura Brooks, 52-year-old mother of two, suddenly stopped receiving her disability checks. Then, her loan payments... And her rent checks began to bounce. She went to the bank to find out what was wrong. The representative told her her accounts had been closed because, that's right, she was dead. Now, I don't know, I thought you had to be smart to be a banker, but I'm beginning to think otherwise. 
So he said to her that they could reopen those accounts if she was able to prove she was alive. It's kind of an interesting situation. No doubt she definitely found some ways to prove that, and then the checks started flowing again. The guy who wrote this asks a question. What if you and I had to prove that we were spiritually alive? Ah, it's a little harder, isn't it? Could we do it? The Bible declares something, and they're not wrong in their declaration. Do you know what the Bible declares? The Bible declares that you and I, apart from Jesus Christ, are spiritually dead. Dead. It's not a mistake. Do we want to know one of the things that people don't want to hear Jesus say? It's stuff like this. The Bible says that we are spiritually dead apart from Christ. The Bible says here that Jesus Christ is the only one who can raise the spiritually dead. And that's what Jesus is saying here. So he's two resurrections that Jesus now enters into. The importance of listening to his voice, the reason because of the power that is behind his voice. He says something about himself. He says, I have life in myself. Therefore, I am the one who can convey that life to you. But he, he does so in talking about the spiritual resurrection because he says a time is coming. Now, whether or not he's talking about him actually raising Lazarus or he's talking about the coming resurrection that we're going to talk about in the next verses, he's, that could be the, spirit, the physical resurrection. But he says something else, and is now. Well, what does he mean? Because people aren't being raised from the dead. And he's referring to a spiritual resurrection. It's extremely important that we realize something. And, and this really, it, it carries on into why people don't want to listen to Jesus. They want to take care of the physical aspect of life first. Because it's all they can see. When I was doing the sermon, I'm thinking, how do I prove this? How, how can I prove spiritual aspects, right? You can't see it. So when I'm trying to tell you that you need to listen to Christ because hearing him is going to bring you alive spiritually. That's what Jesus is saying here. And this spiritual resurrection is important for the physical resurrection, because if we don't have the spiritual resurrection first, that's going to change the outcome for us for the physical resurrection. Not everyone is part of the spiritual resurrection. Everyone's going to be part of that physical resurrection in the end. So what does it mean that we're dead spiritually? Well, when Adam sinned, so Adam was alive. When Adam sinned, he died. He died physically, eventually. So death entered into the world, and he died immediately spiritually. What, what did that death look like? I mean, think about what happened and the consequences that happened with Adam. Immediately when Adam sinned, what did he try to do? He tried to cover it up, didn't he? He tried to work. He tried to get that. He tried to make those little silly garments for himself. And God's like, no, 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 that's not going to cut it. And then what did God do? God had to sacrifice an innocent animal to cover Adam. 
And Adam and Eve needs to be a historical reality because it's why you and I find ourselves in the position that we find ourselves in apart from Jesus Christ, which is spiritual death. So one of the biggest consequences for Adam is he was separated from God. He was separated, cast out of the garden, and that is spiritual death, separation. We know that in in the end... The people who don't believe are eternally, what, separated from his glory. So spiritual death is separation from him, but it's not a a friendly separation. Those of us who are apart from God, those of us who are apart from Christ, are actually his enemies. We hate him. Those Those people who don't believe in Jesus Christ are at enmity with God. So there's an active fighting against God. There's an active ignoring His voice. And it's represented in the lusts of the flesh. It's represented in satisfying the physical. We sit in darkness. We're lost. We're blind. Despite what the religious leaders of Jesus' day may have thought, life is not found in strict adherence to the law. It's not found in religious traditions. Life is found in Jesus Christ. That's what he's trying to let them know. He, he paints a picture for them that is just, you can't miss what he's trying to say later on. He says, you're whitewashed tombs. What does that mean? You're all clean on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead bones. There's nothing there. That's the danger of religiosity. It makes people think, oh, that person's spiritual. That person's alive. Jesus says, you ain't alive unless you heard my voice. You're not alive unless you listen to me. And if there's any reference here to an Old Testament passage, it would probably be to the valley of the dry bones. And God speaks through Ezekiel. And he, he, what does God say? He says, I'm, I'm going to cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. Folks, one of the biggest problems of our world is that all we see is this. So because all we see is this, all we see is the external, all we see is the flesh, all we feel is the flesh, we take care of that first. And people don't believe in the spiritual aspect. So what does it look like if we're spiritually alive? So if we had the Say we're spiritually alive. Well, it's, it's the opposite of spiritual death, isn't it? So what happens to people when they hear Jesus and Jesus causes them to live? Well, they're no longer enemies of God, are they? They're friends of God. What happens to people is it begins to show in their life and their actions, doesn't it? There was a point in time in my life where there was no spiritual fruit whatsoever. There was only the fruit of death. You know why? Because I was dead. I didn't understand spiritual things. I I didn't want to follow Jesus Christ. All I wanted to do was satisfy this guy right here. That was my, this was my God. But when I believed, something changed. This is what changed. 
I always said it felt like I was blind for 24 years of my life. And all of a sudden, my eyes were opened. There's a song about that, I think. It's His grace. Hearing His voice brings our spirits to life. God's world is reversed. You and I need to take care of this aspect first. And then, the physical, he doesn't forget about that either. That's coming later. But if you don't, you don't take care of the spiritual first, and if you feed the flesh, and you live for the flesh, and you ignore the life that Jesus offers, you're going to hear his voice anyway. And you're not going to like what he has to say. Brings to our next third and final aspect. His voice raises the physically dead. Verses 27 through 30. He gave, and I, I separated these two again, because so I separated at, at, at 27 here, because it's life and judgment. Life and judgment. Again, the two camps that he offers. So not only did he, does he have life in himself, he gave him the authority to execute judgment. Why? Because he is the son of man. And he says, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all, all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. Those who did good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge. My judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. I have a lot of props today. It's a little prop day. That's not it. Where is it? Okay, there it is. This is my prop right here. It's working on this all week. That's not working. Oh, it worked. There you go. What on earth? <laughs> This is a flower, or was a flower. So you can see that's a, that's a flower that's alive, right? That's this flower. This is called a uh, morning lily or something like that. I can't remember. It's a lily. Day, day lily. Thank you, day lily. Morning, night, night lily. It's a dead lily. That's what it is right now. It's a dead lily. So we're going to... We're going to try something here, and I, I just wanted a physical representation. So we're going to try it, right? Ready? Lily, live. Li lily, rise. Lily, rise. Wake, Lily. Wake, wake up, Lily. Lily. Maybe I'm not talking close enough to it. Lily. Live, Lily. Li All right. We're going to pass this around. If this, thing, if this thing starts moving, let me know. I'll get a different job. You try to talk to it, too, okay, loudly. All right, you can yell all you want, okay. If anyone can make that flower come to life by the end of this service, then my point is not, not important. <laughs> Jesus later on is going to do an example 
of what he's saying here. You know who he does it with? Lazarus. Not only, not only can Jesus' voice raise the spiritually dead, Jesus' voice raises the physically dead. That's how powerful it is. My voice can't do that. Your voice can't do that. I can't breathe life even into a dumb flower. My voice kills flowers. It kills people. That's what my voice does. No one wants to hear my voice. Jesus' voice does the absolute opposite. Brings people to life. The problem, people are sneezing. Don't sniff the flower, just talk to it. Just, just talk to it. Simple directions, Michael. <laughs> All right. It, do you know what the problem is? So here, listen to what Jesus is promising by listening to him. If we listen to him now, right, we take care of the spiritual aspect. You and I get the physical aspect later on, and we get it much better than this world can ever offer right now. But what happens is, is people don't listen to him now and they take care of this because they think this is all there is and they think if there is a heaven, if there is an afterlife, I'm going to get in anyway because God's so loving. That's not what he says here. It's just not what he says. There's two options, life or judgment. And it all depends if you hear them now. Tim Keller shares following story. He said, when my, my wife was growing up, every summer her family spent two weeks at a small compound of cottages on the shores of Lake Erie. Now the cottages are all gone. In fact, part of the beach is gone as well, he says. Whenever she visits that vacation spot, she weeps because the damage is irretrievable, irreversible. He says the sense of irretrievability is like death. The older we get, the more we realize that certain losses are irretrievable. They're gone. That sucks the joy right out of our lives. But here's where Christ's resurrection and the promise of our resurrection offers something unique. Even religions that promise a kind of spiritual future or spiritual bliss only offer consolation for what we lost. Christ, his resurrection, promises the restoration of what we lost. He says, you don't, even, you don't just get your body back. You get the body that you always wanted and never had. You don't get your life back. You get the life you've always wanted and never had. Jesus Christ is walking proof that you and I who believe in him will miss absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. There's no religion no philosophy, no human being that can offer this kind of future. It's only Jesus. We often look at the grave 
We look at the tomb, and Jesus is speaking of a physical resurrection, and we think the grave has the final say, don't we? We think that's the end. It's not. I love that song that says, ain't no grave. There ain't no mound of dirt. There ain't no stones that are heavy enough. There is absolutely nothing that is going to hold our bodies down when he speaks to us. And those that are with Christ now, they're not there. They're not in those graves. They're with him now. Why? Because they spiritually live. Those bodies are going to come back up and they're going to get those bodies for all eternity. And live in peace and glory. No suffering. No pain. That's the promise of listening to Jesus. We get it back. And we get it back tenfold. Ted's body, that past and frailty and weakness and pain and suffering, he ain't never going to see that again. You know why? Because Ted listened to him here. He heard him. And Ted's listening to him right now. Don't let this world fool you. Don't let it fool you. Don't let it promise you this. It can't give it to you. It can't. Nobody can give it to you. No one. Only him. Life. Again, two futures. He's not talking about... He's not talking about good works leading to eternal life, is he? Who are the ones that do good works? The ones that are spiritually alive. We just, we just talked about that. The ones who do good works are the ones who took care of their spiritual life here by believing in Jesus and then show that by going out into this world that is dying and revealing the work that Christ has done in their souls. And they do it through good deeds. The ones who have done evil deeds are the ones who have focused on the flesh, who have focused on the material aspects of this world. And where do they go? To a resurrection and judgment. Notice the progression here of hearing. Hear his voice, hear his word, eternal life. You live spiritually. Hear his voice in the end. You're raised from the dead. And he tells you where you're going. There's another aspect of that hearing. It's his hearing. Jesus' hearing is perfect. And what he hears is what the Father says. Jesus won't get it wrong. And we can either listen to him now, but I promise you, you're going to hear him one way or another. And we can either like what he has to say now and love what he has to say later, or we can ignore what he has to say now and pay the penalty for that. 
Two camps. Two camps. How's our plant? Is it alive? Case in point. That's just left there. Poor little lily. I'll pay for it. I took it from our garden, so sorry, decor committee. <laughs> I'll pay for that later. The official Guinness World Record confirms that the Bulgarian singer, her name is Smiljana Zahaivia. I don't know if I said that right. But she has been declared as having the most powerful voice in the world, on the planet. She said she knew she had a gift when she would sing and those who were listening would burst into tears and physically, not for bad reasons, they people burst into tears for my voice for other reasons, and physically tremble at her voice. Her voice topped 121 decibels. Do you know what the comfort zone for humans is? 110 decibels. And she topped that standing eight feet away from the microphone and held that note for five seconds. That's a powerful voice, isn't it? I'm going to have to challenge that uh, Guinness Book of World Record with someone else's voice. You know whose voice that is? It's the voice of Jesus. His voice is so powerful, what he says doesn't last for five seconds. What he says echoes into eternity. Listening to his voice will make you more than just tremble and cry. Folks, Listen to the voice of Jesus. The voice of Jesus carries with it an eternal promise. The voice of Jesus brings us to spiritual life. And the voice of Jesus does more than just entertain our senses does more than lead to a standing ovation. The voice of Jesus will lead to bodies standing up from their graves. And those who heard it here on earth will go and hear it for all eternity. It's exactly who Pastor Ted is listening to right now. Listen to the voice of Jesus. It's beautiful. Father, thank you for what you have done through Jesus for us. Lord, I pray that those who do not know him today hear him. Hear the promise that he has for their life. A promise that begins now goes on into eternity, a promise that affects both the spiritual and physical life. Lord, and I pray that for those who have believed and have that life, that we continue to listen to his voice, knowing that it leads to abundant life. Help all of us to shut out the voices of this world. And listen 
to you alone. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.